0: Okay, we good? Ready? There's a lot of information so far this morning, isn't there? But this is going to refresh you. I'm a, I'm a frustrated preacher. I haven't preached for weeks. I've been teaching. I mean, think of last week, Joseph. That was a marathon. It was a good marathon. It was a good marathon. But it was, And I think it was a necessary marathon. But it was a bit of a marathon. But I'm pretty happy. I'm going to cut loose today. And the better I preach is going to be the better you respond. So you can feed me you can draw it out of me. We're in the vision series. We're talking about getting a clear mental image of a preferred tomorrow, allowing God to use your imagination to impress you with the way things should be and that creates a spiritual momentum in our lives where we move towards what God is showing and embedding in our hearts. That's been the whole thought. And I want to talk to us today about seeing because, you know, you can see without seeing. I love tradies because I am a tradie, but I love tradies because they see things no one else can see. I know as a painter, Sue will often tell me, that's a nice car. And I'll say, gee, that's a rough repair <laughs> on the door. That's been repaired on the door. Just look at it. It looks awful. But see, most people look at paint. Painters look into paint. They just see something different. It's the same as a builder. They walk in a house, they'll see something that's not square or plumb. They'll notice a crooked doorway that you've never seen. It's like a mechanic, a mechanical look under a car or look at a car and you're just looking at the nice car and he's looking at the puddle of oil that's gathering underneath the car. He sees something that you don't necessarily see, but it's there, it's just beyond the obvious. I love this with talent show hosts too, they're the same, have you noticed that? I mean, I love, I love watching talent shows. It's just one of my favourite things. I mean, you know, especially the kids when they're really gifted. I'm just bawling. Sue comes in and it's like, you must be watching a sad movie. No, I'm on YouTube watching Britain's Got Talent and I've got <laughs> tears streaming down my cheeks. But what I love, you know, is when like, like a kid starts out and you really want it to be right for them and it's not going so well and they stop them and they say, I want you to sing a different song. Sing this one. And Then they knock it out of the park. If you've ever seen that, it's like the judge has seen something that no one else could see in that person. And I love that thought. And that is the concept of vision, seeing what is not immediately obvious, seeing what is not necessarily clearly presenting, seeing beyond the skin of reality into what could be. So I want to speak to us today, Uh, I guess the title of my message is, What Do You See? Uh, What it's about is actually seeing with the eyes of faith. Being able to see beyond the obvious, because sometimes we just get caught up in what can't happen, what the problem is, what the barrier is, what the obstacle is, and we stare at that and we can't get beyond that. But to have a heart full of faith, you have to have a a heart full of vision and see something that no one else can see in Jesus' name. Now, I want to go to the book of Hebrews is where we're going to start. We're going to look at Jesus as our example. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says... Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Anyone want to make swallow noises while I do that? It was finished. I love this verse. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, there's a couple of things in here for us just with vision. Number one, your primary vision should be Jesus. Jesus needs to be the focus. Have you ever known uh, or noticed that, that so many other things can come in and take your your vision, take your eyes off Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter or the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, And there's this whole thought that somewhere on the journey, you can become distracted somewhere on the journey. For example, Jesus talked about things like the cares of this world. And it's one thing to start off with a bit of a picture. Wow, I I met Jesus or I've seen Jesus. I've had an experience of Jesus and our focus is on him and how wonderful he is. Oh, wonderful saviour. I now have peace with God. I stand in grace. How awesome is Jesus? But isn't it amazing over the passage of time how we can become distracted and all of a sudden Jesus begins to move to the periphery. But Jesus was never meant to be an edge thing a margin thing, a boundary rider in our lives. That was never the intent. The writer of Hebrews says, bring Jesus right back to the centre of your focus because what you focus on, you will hit. Any kid that rides a downhill bike knows that. If you're going down Mackenzie Frenzy flat out, I was watching people do it yesterday, that you cannot afford to stare at the big ghoulie in the middle of the track, the big rock. You can't stare at that or you will hit it. You've got to pick the path that you want to be on. And in the same way, the writer of Hebrews is saying, and I just would say to us straight up, how's Jesus in your focus? Is he at the centre or is he moved to the periphery? Have the cares of this world, have the cares of this last season pushed Jesus to the outside and maybe your faith is struggling. You're struggling to believe what God could do and how things could change because Jesus is no longer at the centre but some of the problems of our society or some of the cares of this world actually are and they're obscuring your view of him. Come on, fix your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus because not only is he the beginner, not only did he start in you, he is the perfecter. I love it, Paul says it in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Come on, can you believe that? Or have you given up in the middle where it's like, well, I'm not so sure. Once upon a time, I was really confident, but now I'm not so sure how things are going. If that's how you're feeling, fix your eyes on Jesus. He who began it is going to finish it in you. The second thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus is our example of how to have vision. Think about it, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. I mean, we have some meager understanding of the, of the pain, of the, of the devastation of crucifixion. Jesus grew up seeing it in the streets as a child in the Roman Empire. He had a very, very clear picture of a painful future, but right here, the scripture is saying he was looking beyond what was obviously presenting and he was seeing something else. I wonder what else Jesus was seeing. What could take him through the pain and the shame of the cross into the future? And I believe it's, it's all through scripture, every Messianic psalm. Isaiah is full of prophecy of what would happen because of Messiah. But I love Psalm 2. Psalm 2 verses 1 and 2 you know and it's it's a messianic psalm it's 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 literally almost like speaking about this redemptive act that Jesus would perform and God affirming Jesus as his son and then inviting him ask of me and i will give the nations as your inheritance i'll give all the peoples of the earth just ask whatever you want and when I look at Jesus who for the joy set before him what was the joy set before him it was you and me that's an incredible thing but he was looking right through the pain of the cross right through history right down to this day and he could see you and I sitting here today and he said it is worth it you are worth it I have a vision for the redemption of the nations You don't seem so convinced. I wanted to preach today, but I just think I'll go back to teaching. Thank you, John. John's leading the charge from the back. Wow. Healing, deliverance. What did Jesus see? Healing, deliverance, freedom for captives, a new identity new creatures, out out of the rubble of humanity, Uh, a, a church rising up glorious, people who love God and worship God, not from some religious observance but because hearts of stone have been turned to hearts of flesh. And when Jesus looked at the cross, he looked straight through it as if it is all worth it. If that's what I've got to go through to get to the fulfilment of heavenly vision, then so be it, because the pain in the moment will be worth the rest of eternity. Come on, how are you living? Are you living hand to mouth, day to day, week to week, with the pain that's right in front of you, or are you actually looking through it going, this is going to be worth it in the end? A, a young couple would not have a child if they looked at the pain. Well, you wouldn't have two. And you'd stop at one, definitely. You know, because once you know what's in it, and it never ceases to amaze me how a young couple, you know, will count the cost and they'll go. And then often they will decide to go again. And some people go again and again and again and again. They're like suckers for punishment. But why? It's because the scripture says. <laughs> sorry, we love our children, by the way. <laughs> We especially love our grandchildren because there weren't no pain in that for me, I can tell you. <laughs> but, but, but what did Jesus say? All the anguish has gone in a moment for joy that a child has been born into the world and all that pain goes and that's amazing because that's exactly how Jesus looked at us on the cross in a moment, once that thing was over, in a moment for joy that many children... And he did, he asked the Father, give me the nations and look at what's happened across the earth. Over 2,000 years in spite of persecution, in spite of drama, in spite of ungodliness, in spite of everything else, there is a glorious church throughout the earth on mission because Jesus saw it before there was one of us. I love how Jesus operated by vision. He's our vision example, our vision focus for the joy set before him. You know, vision's great at any level, that's for sure. I mean, you should have vision for your next holiday. So we talk about vision on every level. That, that's the highest vision you can imagine, God's vision for the earth, for, the, for, for humanity. That's the highest vision we could look at. But look, any form of vision's good. You should have vision for your next holiday. Yeah. You know what I've noticed? The difference between people who have awesome holidays and people who probably have mediocre holidays, it's not necessarily money, it's just thought. Yeah. Yeah. Someone got a vision for it, decided this is what we're going to do and we're going to pack up the buckets and the sand thing and we're going to take the kids to the beach every morning. We're gonna, da, da, da. Other people just arrive and at the end of the week go, oh, that week went quick. I was going to get out of bed and walk on the beach one morning, but it's too late now. No vision. And I see other people that are just like, right, we're geared up. We're going to do this. We're going to do that with the kids and create family memories, eating chips in the sand dunes, all that sort of thing. Not necessarily a money issue, a vision issue. And you see Jesus operating this principle again and again, but not only that, begging us to do it. There's a, a story in John chapter 4. I love the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And uh, Jesus is talking to this woman and we know there's there's background to this story. It's out of place. You know, she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They didn't really have dealings with one another. There was a lot of bad blood that we've talked about over the, over the course of even just this this recent year where we've looked at the relationship that they did not have. Between nations and so Jesus is here in Samaria at the well and he's talking to this Samaritan woman and she runs off to the city to to basically start a revival this is the interesting thing this is sort of uh this is maybe one of the biggest followings of Jesus outside of his immediate area where he ministered in Caesarea and uh and so here we go in John chapter 4 his disciples urge him, they come back, they've been to town for lunch and they come back and say, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, well, could someone have brought him food? Like did the woman bring him a cut lunch? Or... <laughs> and Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he says this and he sort of rebukes them. You know, don't you have do you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? Well, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And right here we see Jesus. Jesus is literally living vision. He's in the vision now. This is part of why I came. This is, I'm going to go to the cross for people just like this. She's gone off to the city, to people that you despise and for centuries have hated. And she's going in there to tell them about me and this is why I came. Vision feeds you. So many people are like out of steam in life, don't have the puff, don't have the energy. Can I say this to you today? That look, look, if you feel like uh, you're a little bit lazy... You're a little bit, uh, you know, you just, you're a little bit inactive and you can't get yourself fired up. You're not motivated. You're listless. You're lazy, whatever it is. I can tell you right now, I, I, most of the time, most of the time, this is not a physical issue. This is not a circumstantial issue. This is not someone else's fault because someone has done something to you. This is a vision issue most of the time is that we, we, we drop down to the lowest common denominator and without even re- realising it, we stop seeing how things should be and we just begin to st- stare at the things that are and complain that they will never change, they'll never be any different. And Jesus is saying, would you please lift your eyes. I know the physical reality is it's four months to the harvest. We all know that. You don't have to be a brain surgeon, but I want you to see something different. I want you to see the planet the way I see the planet. I want you to look beyond the limiting physical factors that are staring you in the face and lift your eyes and see something different. What do you see? Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Come on, what do you see? Yeah, very good. I wish I was getting shouted down. Yeah. You should be standing on your seats going, preach! But we're not used to that. We're conservative Pentecostal now. I <laughs> think I might need to stir us up over the next few weeks. Come on, come on. Don't blame external circumstances. The problem with blaming your external circumstances is you're trapped. If it's external circumstances, then you can't change them problem with blaming someone else is if it's someone else's fault then you can't change them either so you're trapped you're trapped you're trapped but the key is to see something different the key is to lift your eyes and actually see the interesting thing is is nothing had changed jesus saw something Mm -hmm. they couldn't see it he had to point it out to them But the reality was right there. The fields are ripe for harvest and I had a massive revival in Samaria. He was there several days and not only that, but the first major revival of the church outside of Jerusalem then happens in the book of Acts under Philip and guess where it is? At Samaria. And Jesus saw it all before it was ever not only a reality, but even a remote possibility for a Jewish rabbi to be accepted in Samaria they were sworn enemies and it was because Jesus saw something more and this is a pattern of scripture if we go through if you look at Abraham I love it we've talked about Abraham and his journey of faith but God takes Abraham up on a mountain as an old old man he gets him finally to the land where he's going but that's not good enough it's not good enough to walk into the corner of a field he takes him up on a mountain and he says to him the scripture will come up We'll throw it up there in Genesis. And he says to him, look, get up and look to the north and the south and the east and the west because everything you can see, I'll give to you. Everything, come on, what can you see beyond the natural, beyond the limitation, beyond the excuses? What can you see that God could do? We see it in Joshua. I love it, this old story, Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, and of course, you know, Joshua's been wandering for 40 years in the desert because of other people's issues. No wonder when he gets into the promised land and the first thing he sees, not only has he gone 40 years because of someone else's lack of vision, the first thing he sees is a walled city. Wasn't really big walls. Archaeology would tell us it's probably 13 feet high, which were big walls back in the day. Jericho is one of the oldest established cities recognised on the planet, 9,000 BC. They have evidence of human settlement there as a city, one of the first places on earth to actually make their own pottery, which was a sign of a, a massive shift in civilization. So this was like, this was the creme de la creme, of strongholds when Joshua faced it. And what does God say to him? (laughs) See, I've given Jericho and its king and its people into your hand and Joshua could have said, I don't see nothing but walls. It's just walls. And God said, no, you've got to look beyond that. You've got to somehow see that the city's already yours. And come on, I wonder what walls are you staring at that are holding you out of what God has put in your heart, what God wants to do in you. What walls are you staring at blankly? And God would say, see something different. See, I've given you something. Come on, I'm preaching pretty well this morning. Let me find another two examples real quick because I think they're inspirational. Israel is a nation. Israel is the nation and Isaiah, the great book of Isaiah, just a literary masterpiece as much as it is, an incredible spiritual prophetic utterance and so many prophecies of Christ in it. But Isaiah 60 is one of, I think, everyone's favourite chapters. If you've ever got into the book of Isaiah, it's hard to go past a rise and shine. For your light has come. In verse 60, verses 3 and 4, it says, and just paraphrasing, but nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. And the wonderful thing about this is you've got to understand the the context of it. Isaiah has been prophesying everything that would befall the nation the destruction of the Assyrian Empire that would come in 722 BC, he's prophesying in the 700s and he could see it coming, Assyria is going to rise up and then he even saw beyond that, he saw Babylon taking Judah, the southern kingdom in 586 BC, he saw it all, he prophesied, this is coming but then he hits these couple of chapters and it all begins to turn. He begins to prophesy a reversal, basically saying, even though darkness is going to come and even though it's going to overshadow you, there's going to be a very difficult season in the life of this nation. Ultimately, I see God's purposes coming to pass. Arise, shine for your light has come. I see your children regathering, coming back. I see the Gentiles. I see all nations flowing into you. And his prophecy begins with the restoration of Israel and the return from the exile in Babylon. But actually, when you read it through the eyes of the church, you realize all the Gentile nations come and lay at its feet and you understand this is a prophecy of the church. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what the containment is, God has a plan that will come to pass. God will bring it together. God will have His way. And what He invites us to do is see it with Him. See it with Him. One of Pastor Sue's favourite passages, I will lift up to my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And hey, listen, that's the whole purpose of prayer. The, the whole purpose, effective prayer, what it does is it takes your focus off the wall, off the issues that you're facing, off the containment, off the darkness, off COVID. It takes it off that and it places it on the one who can sustain you through sometimes the pain that we just can't avoid and has the power to change the things that can be changed. And that's what prayer is. But it all begins. What does the psalmist say? Lift up your eyes. I will lift up my eyes. I will get my eyes off the issues. I'll get my eyes off the cares of this world and I'll put them on the creator. I'll put my eyes on the one who can actually make a difference. Woo! (laughs) might take me a few weeks to get back in the swing of preaching, but I'll get there. might take you a few weeks to get back in the swing of encouragement, but you'll get there. A couple of quick questions for us then. You know, what excites you most about your future? I could ask it this way. What will be your legacy? What excites you most about your future? What are you determined to leave behind and many of us are well on that journey and and some of us might even feel a bit like well that journey's set and it's not going to change it it doesn't take long just do an internet search on people who you know the best part of their life was the very end people who are obscure right till the very end but their greatest moments were later in life never give up friends Never just allow life to dictate to you that it is set in stone. It never is. With God, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Can you see something different? What do you see as your legacy? What do you see? What excites you about your future? Is Jesus at the centre of your focus or on the periphery? We've got to ask ourselves that because, honestly, it's faith in Christ that energises our vision. When we just run out of puff, run out of steam, it's actually looking back at the author of our faith and realising he's going to finish this. I might be in pain right now. I might be struggling right now. But I'm just trusting you, Jesus, and hanging on for dear life. That's what faith is. Another question. Now, you do realise I'm not upset. I'm just excited. <laughs> what walls are you staring at? Are you focused on your problems, your containments, or on your God? It's a great question to ask ourselves. Where does your vision intersect with his mission? It's great for us to have Personal vision, as I said, we should have vision for our next holiday, but there's just another whole realm to live in where the promises of God come alive and the Holy Spirit comes upon it and all of a sudden you're actually moving in supernatural favour and it's because your mission and your vision and what you believe God's put in your heart actually overlaps with His mission and all of a sudden you have food to eat that no one else can see. Where does your vision overlap His? And what do you need to see when you lift up your eyes? What do you need to see? Whatever situation you're facing now it could be family situation, it could be marriage situation, it could be health situation, it could be ministry situation, whatever it is. You know what you see, but what do you need to see? And if you're lacking vision, can I just say reconnect your heart? with the vision giver. Come on, God created all that we see out of what is unseen. Talk about vision. You look at a beautiful coloured parrot. It was in God's mind before it was ever a reality. That's what you call vision. Come on, if you're lacking vision, get in a room with God. Get in a room with the ultimate visionary and let him fill your heart with a picture of a preferred tomorrow. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Whoo. Yeah. Hot now. I'm done. You okay? Yeah. You okay? I really, really felt that that was something God wanted for this week. That message came so easily to me. I, honestly, I wrote it, in, outlined it all in like 15 minutes. Nice. And it's... It's when those things happen, you sort of go, I think God might be on this. Yeah. So I don't know what it's done in your heart, but um, by faith, grab it. Whatever you saw, whatever you even went, oh, I wonder if it could be possible. Maybe then straight away doubt came in and went, oh, no, just forget it. Give up on it. No, friend, grab it. Yeah. Grab it. Don't let it slip back under the water. Come on, the Holy Spirit brought it to the surface. Don't let it slip back under. Don't let the enemy pour water on your fire. Father, in Jesus' name, whatever we saw, I pray, you would give to us those godly visions, godly dream for our families, for our futures, for our impact on the world in Jesus' name. Whatever we're seeing in the marketplace, whatever we're seeing in the school ground, whatever we're seeing in the classroom, whatever we're seeing in that mum's group, whatever we're seeing with our children, whatever we're seeing in business, whatever we're seeing in ministry. Lord, we look beyond the walls, we look beyond the impossibilities and we look for food that the world does not know of. We look for heavenly sustenance and power and the enthusiasm, the drive to fulfill heavenly vision. In Jesus' name, speak to our hearts, speak to our hearts. Friend, you could be with us here today, either in the room or online, and maybe your experiences has never been knowing God. Can I just say, He has a vision for your life. He has a very clear picture of what your life could look like. Jeremiah 29 says He knows the plans that He has for you, and they're to give you a future and a hope. That's God's picture of you, and, and you can embrace that picture today in the simplest of ways. As I said, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And you can, you can make Jesus your peace this morning. You can reach out and receive him, open your heart to him, allow him into your life, allow him into your journey. You don't have to be a church person to do that. At some point, none of us were, but we're on a journey and you can join us just right where you are, in the room, online, open your heart. Say, God, I, I want your vision for my life. I want to know Jesus. I want to know what it is. have peace with you and to stand in grace and to stand in favour with you. So I open my heart to Jesus Christ right now. Friend, just in some way make that your prayer. Father, touch hearts right now as they respond to you in Jesus' name.